Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Jimmy Uso, back in the bloodline, maybe, so it seems. We'll, we're here to discuss. I'm Tempest, your host of the SmackDown podcast, alongside my lovely and wonderful co-host, Sat Inyangi. Sat, what's causing all this? Jimmy Uso, confused alliance or confused allegiance. Uh, it's good to be back, but before we begin, a lot of few. <laughs> Look at Tempest's arm. Look at the ink work. Look at this. Look at that. That's Batman. That's the Joker. Warner Brothers, chill out, chill out. That's his own body. Yeah, don't copyright strike us. You can't copyright strike a bloody tattoo. Although, as we've seen with that one lawsuit that Randy Orton had for the WWE game, maybe you can. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know about this. Or maybe I... Yeah, maybe. Randy Orton's tattoo artist like sued him in WWE for having the his tattoos in the WWE game and stuff because he said it was their art and whatever. I don't know. It's a bigger bigger topic. It's very bizarre. Well, yeah. Anywho. Let's, let's, let's curb that for another time because I'm actually intrigued and I want to like delve into that. But yeah, we're here to talk about Jimmy Uso. And, and a lot of people I've read on the app, formerly known as Twitter, people's disapproval, confusion about what they're doing with Jimmy Uso. So before I begin, I'm going to let this lovely host of the show lay out and I'll come in with my points. Mr. Positivity is over here, ready to give his point of view on this muddled storyline. So this is, of course, Smackdown, September 8th, 2023, the focus of which is once again, Jimmy Uso and the bloodline, what's left of it the bits that show up on TV these days. And the first time that we see Jimmy Uso on this show is in a backstage segment. Mm -hmm. He's with Paul Heyman. He's got the We The Ones shirt on and says, all right, well, Solo Sokoa says, you're not out of the bloodline till we say you're out of the bloodline. So, all right, I'm here, OG. I'm in the bloodline. What what are we going to do? Paul Heyman is like, 
Well, listen, listen, Roman Reigns, he offered you the, the house and the car and, and the yacht. And you're, but listen, 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 listen. If you take care of AJ Styles, I'll take care of Jimmy Uso. And Jimmy goes to dap him up, and he, Paul just leaves him hanging, walks off, and immediately walks into AJ Styles, who's dealing with the merch stand and stuff. And Paul Heyman... Tries to say, like, hello, AJ Styles. And AJ is having none of it. He grabs him, shoves him into a crate and says, who do you think you are? What clout do you have? And Jimmy Uso immediately jumps him from behind and throws him over the crates. And he's like, all right, deal with AJ Styles. There you go. And he walks off. And Paul Heyman is like, call Roman Reigns. As if he's surprised. And he's like, okay, maybe this will work. And they move on. There's a bunch of AJ Styles backstage segments, one of which he's just backstage by himself and says that doesn't matter if he gets jumped from behind, that's not going to stop him from taking care of business tonight in the main event as he is prepared to face Jimmy Uso. Later, he is found with the OC, who are laughing at something on Carl Anderson's phone, and AJ Styles tells him like, oh, you are watching the show. You're paying attention. So where were you earlier? He slaps the phone out of Carl Anderson's hands. Carl Anderson says, hey, listen, we're the ones that said don't get involved in this bloodline stuff. And AJ Styles says, no, it doesn't matter. Through good and bad, we've always had each other's backs. If that's not true, I don't even want you anywhere near the main event tonight. He walks off, leaves them feeling sad. And then we had our main event, our main event segment where Jimmy Uso comes out to wrestle AJ Styles. And they had a pretty standard TV main event on SmackDown these days, which is just, they had a match. It was, it was fine. AJ Styles is in the point of his career where you're going to get three and, a half, three and a quarter stars and like it. And halfway through the match, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa come out. Solo Sokoa earlier had been said to have not been in the building. Paul said, there's no Roman Reigns, there's no Solo Sokoa. Well, that was a lie. Maybe he showed up late. They walked down to ringside. They don't really get involved too much. AJ Styles at one point takes out Solo and Jimmy, sends Jimmy back into the ring, hits a phenomenal forearm, and gets the win, and then rolls out of the ring promptly so that he can avoid getting taken out by Solo Sokoa. He makes his way up the ramp. Judgment Day appears. They send him back down to the ring, feed AJ Styles to Solo Sokoa, who gets attacked, and it's kind of like a maybe a peace offering. We don't really know what the faction warfare state of WWE is at the moment with Judgment Day trying to make peace with the bloodline or something. Something of this nature. But... The bigger question at play here is what in the God's name is going on with Jimmy Uso and the bloodline? We talked extensively last week when you weren't here, Ollie and I did, about this storyline not making sense. Because, of course, without retreading all of it, Jimmy was the one that fired the first shot at Roman Reigns. He super kicked him at Night of Champions, cost Roman and Solo the tag titles, and then convinced Jay to turn on the bloodline. And then we got the rationale we had when Jimmy was the one that turned on Jay at SummerSlam and said that I didn't want you to become like Roman and such. And whether you believe that is a good motivation or not, that's the one that we got. Now... Jimmy is perhaps delusionally back in the bloodline, or at least he thinks he is. I, I'll be honest, I don't know what to make of all of this. I know that you are going to do your best to rationalize 
this, and I have heard some of this argument already, and I think it's it's an admirable task that you have to try and make sense of, of all of this. I don't think you're wrong in many cases, but I don't necessarily agree with all of it. So, Sat, I give you the floor. Thank you. What's uh, causing all of this? What's causing all this? I'm trying to earn my paycheck right. Uh, a few weeks ago, I nearly fell asleep because I had... <laughs> Hey fever tablets. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make up for it. You know, I sleep I slept with walk through that episode and I did well. But um so I read the results in the morning because I watched the show in the office. I've had the same reaction as everyone else when it comes to Jimmy Uso and the bloodline storyline. Because as you said, the first firing shot was Jimmy that led to Jay leaving. But in the crux of it, just to condense, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've written points because I wanna articulate my points. But the crux of it is Jay can thrive without the bloodline while Jimmy can't. Last week, he was by himself, right? He rejected all um, allegiance to the bloodline. Got a new song. He comes out, interrupts John Cena. He's feeling himself. He's like, hey, if, if, if Jay can do this, I can do it too. But what happened? John Cena punks him out saying, you know, the wrong Uso left. And then AJ Styles punks him out. So all that respect and clout he had being part of the bloodline has gone out the window. Him by himself, he can't thrive by himself. You have to remember, he's one half of a tag team. He's a twin. He's part of a close-knit family. He left the close-knit family. He, He ruined the relationship with his tag team partner, also his twin brother. So he's trying to be by himself, trying to stand up by himself, and he failed last week. So this week is a repercussion of him realizing that he messed up. But if you go all the way back, Jimmy Uso's had a history of saying things by his action not matching it. The first time was when he came back after his injury. Jay Uso's established as main event Jay Uso. Jay Uso's had three years head start over Jimmy to establish his character. People need to remember that. But Jimmy Uso comes back. He said, what's going on? You're under Roman's, you know, thumb. But, you know, I'm nobody's B-I-T-C-H. I'm no one's female dog. Because I'm censoring because, you know, don't want to get demonetized. Yeah, I'm no one's B-I-T-C-H. I'm no one's female dog. But what happens? For his brother, allegedly, he goes along with it and they win the tag titles and he seems he's happy with the clout. But when Sami Zayn was joining the group, Jimmy was the closest ally that Sami had. But when Sami Zayn, you know, left the bloodline, turned against Roman Reigns, who was the first one to kick Sami in the face? The person that claimed to love Sami the most, which was Jimmy. That shows you that Jimmy will say one thing, but he'll do another. Same thing with Jay Uso. He's saying to Jay, hey, he's manipulating us, but he's the one that's back in the bloodline. That's because... Deep down, Jimmy Uso is insecure. He's got low self-esteem because Jay knows who he is outside the bloodline. He's main event Jay Uso. He is a former Andre the Giant Memorial winner. He's established himself. Jimmy hasn't established himself. And in order for us to get to WrestleMania 40, because that is the plan, they want to do Jimmy versus Jay. In order for this feud to be hot, unfortunately, Jimmy is not well established enough by himself to carry the feud and make it happen. So in order for it to be successful, not to be Eddie Grover versus Chavo in a throwaway feud in 2003, they want it to be Undertaker versus Kane, WrestleMania 14, WrestleMania 20 kind of level blood feud. He needs the bloodline clout because by himself at the moment, people saying he's boring, he's this and that because they haven't figured out. He doesn't even have a nickname. 
He hasn't figured out a catchphrase. He hasn't figured out a nickname. This week he's wearing his old T-shirt. This is a guy with an identity crisis. So th- this storyline also reminds me of when Rey Mysterio's uh, son Dominic, you know, turned on him. Dominic joins the blood, um, Judgment Day. And then when Dominic joined Judgment Day, they didn't go, Dominic joins Judgment Day, and then he's going to be called ex-condom a few months later. No, that happened organically. What we're watching before our very eyes is a wrestler character figuring out who he is by himself. So we're hoping organically Jimmy Uso will get over as a heel. You know, if is he going to be a, you know, a, a, a chicken beep heel or is he going to be a tough, sadistic heel? We're still figuring it out. But what we do know is he's a hypocrite and a liar. And that's that's the heart of the of the storyline. He would rather have Roman Reigns as his tribal chief than his younger Oos, who's looked up to him his whole life, being his boss. I think that's what it is. At the heart of it, he is scared of being left behind. He knows that Jay can thrive without him, but he can't thrive without Jay. So all of this has been his bid of trying to keep things the same, but obviously he messed up. I I can connect some dots in what you're saying. Because I think a lot of this plays into, you know, when Jimmy first came back from his injury and he was reluctant to join the bloodline and he saw that, you know, Jay was the right-hand man, main event Jay Uso, and was kind of thriving through that first little bit there as a singles wrestler, you know, winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal and such, as you mentioned. And it took a little bit more convincing to get there because he was reluctant. He didn't want to follow. He didn't want to be perhaps third in command. And then when the breakup of the bloodline happened a few months ago, they still left that hanging that Jimmy was the one that uh, that spoke up against Jay being, you know, the, the next tribal chief or, you know, second in command, whatever it was. And these are the things that I can see as, you know, character defining traits over the last little bit. However, this to me just reeks of a plan that has not been thought through like the other bits of the bloodline were like the other stages of the bloodline story, whether it be the early pandemic era, which was very well told storytelling. Mm hmm. And then the Sami Zayn era, which came last year, these parts felt like there was a clear destination and a clear path to the destination in their minds. Didn't have to be in our minds because I don't think anybody saw like war games and the direction they took at war games coming. Mm. But I can very clearly see that they had a plan. This whole thing just reeks of not having a plan to me because if they wanted Jimmy Uso to be the focus of SmackDown, I think they should have done so much more over the course of the last year to make him his own character. You know, it was why when he was the one that turned um, on Sami Zayn first at the Royal Rumble this year, it still made sense because his character was much more simple. You know, he would go along with Sammy. He was cool with Sammy. But as soon as Sammy turned, he was like, nah, F that, kick him. You know, as opposed to Jay, who had a much more deep, meaningful connection as a character with Sammy. Jimmy was much more surface level, you know, then. And so much of the character work that has gone on with the bloodline has been so deep, with the exception of guys like 
Jimmy and Solo. There it has been surface level, and that's fine when they are the fourth and fifth most important members of the group, and I think that really helped with the Bloodline story in different chunks where there were, you know, multiple characters going on where all of a sudden if you need a segment for a TV show and you can just have Sami Zayn talking to Jimmy Uso, Mm. that's still really good because you have Sami Zayn, who is always one of the top two or three most important members of that group throughout his run, you can have him carry that emotion into a segment with Jimmy Uso and still pull something great. But now they're looking at Jimmy Uso to be the emotional crux of these stories. And I don't think it's there. And maybe it will grow into that for sure. But I still think that we're going to look back on this period of time as ill thought out, ill conceived, and just overall not terribly interesting, unfortunately. I agree. I 100% agree. That's the one thing that I want to say. Cody Rhodes versus WrestleMania, of uh, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I still haven't started the match. I did the entrances, I stopped it. I said, I'll watch it one day because I couldn't get over the, the match results. I think the Bloodline storyline post title should have been this, as in, the, like everyone else. I don't believe that Roman Reigns needs to be champion right now. Cody should have won. I'm with you 110%. The bloodline storyline peaked when he decided to keep Roman with the title and all of this is desperation. I agree. That's the one thing I'll never defend. I'll never defend the fact that this storyline has reached its peak. All I'm trying to do is trying to pick out a, a, a positive reason of why to continue Jimmy being in the group because unfortunately, like we've talked about, they haven't in- introduced any new characters. You can't rely on Solo, who was known as the mysterious quiet type, to all of a sudden start carrying the emotional beat, like you said. Paul Heyman does it sometimes, but Paul Heyman has the habit of being a bit hammy and corny with his performance sometimes, so something to be a bit grating. Jimmy, each, when he first turned on Roman, I like the promo he cut on Roman. So he, he had that potential. I think more than the, on, as a babyface point of view, he had it. In terms of heel, and, and unless he starts... Uh, leaning more on the delusional side, that's where he loses us. He needs to more, be more delusional. And I think that's when we start buying into the storyline that this guy, he doesn't know what the heck he's doing or what he wants. He's confused, conflicted, albeit probably stupid. I think they need to find, you're right, he's too one-note as a character. That's why I said that Jay Uso's had three years head start in terms of character development. And that's why people relate more to Jay than Jimmy because we had more time to see Jim, uh, Jay's conflicts. You had a lot more time seeing Jay develop as a persona, as himself. And that's why he's on Raw right now getting incredible reactions. While Jimmy Uso right now, we just don't know what to do with him. But I also want to add, add as well, Bloodline is much better when there's more characters for Roman to boss around. You, no offense, Solo and Paul can't carry by themselves. You said it. When Sammy was in there, he added a different layer. He had he added he added humor to the group. And when he left, it went back to being serious, doom and gloom family stuff. And also family. You end of the day you have to remember, Bloodline's not just a group. They're family. Family have falling out all the time. It's normal to be like, oh, you're dead to me. And the next week you're like, hey. Do you want some sweet potato? You know, <laughs> you know, pass me, you know, the corn cob and stuff like that. They're family. At the end of the day, it's not a it's not like NWO. It's not it's not like judgment day. They're actual family. So they can argue and get back together. That for me makes sense. Because I mean you spoke. I said, Paul Heyman, not long ago, he was kicked out of the bloodline for allegedly siding with Brock Lesnar over Roman. And then what happened later, weeks later, 
he's back in the bloodline again. So he's not the first one to tuck the tail and go back in, which adds to the power of Roman Reigns that adds to the mystique or the cult-like behavior of the bloodline. But uh, Jimmy needs the bloodline. The bloodline needs Jimmy in there and they need more people because Jimmy by himself, this feud is going to be cold because you're looking at guys like Grayson Waller and Austin Theory being like the main mid-card heels at the moment. And then Jimmy will be uh, below them and that's kind of insulting that Jimmy, in terms of a character, being part of the bloodline, being part of main event of night one WrestleMania will be a third tier heel uh, behind Austin Theory. So for me, it makes sense to put, like, again, he should never left. But at the same time, we've never seen stories like this where someone leaves and they regret it. That's like a new thread to, to follow because it, it could be it would be too cookie cutter. He left the group. He's now a baby face, even baby face by himself. What do you do with a baby for Jimmy Uso by himself? Let's just say they did go their separate ways, the Usos. It, it, there's, like you're saying, there's so much work to be done to Jimmy as himself. Who is Jimmy? What's his nickname? Uh, what's his catchphrase? He's not the one anymore. No, it's not the twos, you know? So I feel like this is the time they can use to kind of figure out what to do with Jimmy without the pressure of him being by himself. Because we've seen what happened on AEW with Jungle Boy where, say, Jack Perry, he's figuring out without... A, a group to camouflage. Dominic Mysterio had that time. He had a time where he's part of a group, he's now a heel, but he did those digi digital short videos with, with Rhea Ripley to establish his character, figure out who he is. Okay, he's a whiner, he's a complainer, he's petulant. And then he went to prison, he got arrested, and then that made that his whole persona. He had a comedy element, which he never had when he first joined a group, he was too serious. He was a goth kid with slick black, you know, slick back hair, and then he became ex-condom, which is when he found his stride, find his personality and look where he is today so I feel like we need to give Jimmy the same chance Night, week one was he tried by himself it didn't work week two he's trying to weasel himself back into the group week three we'll see what, what happens so we hope to see the evolution of the character because they relied they, we're relying on Jimmy to be interesting in order to care about the feud with Jay I I agree with a lot of things that you said. The, there are two things I want to point out that mm. I don't necessarily, not even disagree with, but just kind of I want to make light of. Mm. One of which is you said that Jey Uso had a three-year head start on uh, character development over, over Jimmy. I don't necessarily disagree because I know what you're saying. You know, he's they have been developing Jay's character much more thoroughly over the last few years than they have Jimmy. But I think the head start element comes from Jay having those first few months while Jimmy was off with the ankle injury back in 2020 and 2021 mm. before Jimmy came back in and Jay was already established at that point as the right hand man and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner and such. But my bigger problem with all of this is I, I think they clearly didn't know that this was the of direction course. they wanted mm. to go. And I think that lack of planning meant that they didn't spend the last three years developing Jimmy Uso as a character. Correct. Whereas I don't think necessarily Jay had a head start. I think that they just focused on him more. And maybe it's just, you know, verbiage and, and nitpicking and that such. But, like, I don't want to give them a pass because... You know, they're they're figuring it out now. It's like they could have spent the time to develop Jimmy into an interesting enough character to carry the show by himself. But I don't think they did that. And I think we are currently suffering because of it. And the only other point I want to bring up yes, sir. is that this whole deal would be probably much more tolerable 
if Roman Reigns was there to boss Jimmy around. I think you're totally right that the Bloodline story works with more people there and more people for Roman to boss around, more henchmen, etc. But Roman's not there. I don't know how many SmackDowns that Roman's been on this year, but it's not enough. It's not enough to make this bearable. Because, yeah, I totally agree. Put Roman Reigns on this show, have him bounce off Jimmy Uso, all of a sudden this storyline becomes, like, infinitely more interesting. Mm -hmm. But we don't have that. And so we can't... I don't think we can rightfully use that as a justification for keeping Jimmy in the bloodline until we see it on a more regular basis, and I just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, to, to go back to what you're saying, I 100% agree. Like, like, like we're saying, um, my, my thing is, I, my, what I take, my, what I interpret out of this situation, you're right. When Jimmy first came back, we were all hoping what I was. I was like, oh, okay, he's going to have the same trajectory as, as Jay, as in he's going to feed Roman, have a match with Roman. So mm-hmm. that, that they, so they have spent time with developing what's Jimmy's motivation, which is revenge. You know, my brother is kind of being cucked in this situation. I'm, I'm tired of you disrespecting him. He won't stand up for himself. I will do it. So that way we get to know more about, he started, he started that way. I'm nobody's bitch. He had a t-shirt. I'm saying it now, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm nobody's bitch. He had that t-shirt. And I lost the old all like two to three weeks and then he fell in line and the way he fell in line was almost so lackluster because we didn't see it like it just it fell into it I want to be a tag team they want a tag team match and all of a sudden he's raising his hand too so Mm -hmm. you didn't see the struggle and the conflict so what they did they robbed Jimmy of his storyline progression and his journey and you're right because they didn't plan, oh, eventually they break up. Even if they weren't going to break up, at least we know what Jimmy is like. They didn't give him the same character development they gave Jay. Jay had to struggle and all that. But Jimmy's like, uh, too f- I'm bored. All right, let's put him back as a tag team. Let's just, let's get, give a tag belt. I don't want this anymore. Because mm-hmm. in order for, for that to happen, they would have actually put more effort into the Jimmy and Roman rift. But they decided not to do that. It was more about Roman's manipulation. Who are you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. Again, that added more to Jay's paranoia, which was beautiful. We, we can sit down and tell you, I know who Jay Uso is. I know what his fears, his hopes and dreams are. We can legit sit down and we'll probably have a matching statement because we watch it on screen. But if Jim was like, I'm tag team champions, my wife's Naomi. We don't really talk about that, but yeah, you know, yep. I'm tag team champion. I'm the bigger Uso size wise. And then... That's it. With Solo, at least you got that element of like the elders, the elders sent him. So there's that mystery element of like Roman did not select him. So as, although he's loyal to Roman, but he's like, is he more loyal to the elders than he is to Roman? He just has to go along with it. So it, Solo is known as the wild card of the group. And that's what keeps him interesting. He doesn't have to say much. He doesn't have to have emotional uh, disposition or, or dialogue. He's just the wild card. The one that you can tell could be a threat to Roman Reigns in terms of being the tribal chief. That's the hook of Solo. He doesn't need any more. And that's why I said that you need someone like Jimmy because Solo's mystique goes away if you start making him talk and do. Because we don't need... No, he's a monster. We don't need to know what the monster's feeling is. All we know is that thumb gets a bit itchy he has to strikes to someone's throat that's all that's all you need to know with jimmy that's a guy that's been shortchanged for years and now we're seeing the fruits of that labor which mm-hmm. is lack of fruit it's just more seed what i'm trying to say to people is let's just be patient 
everyone hates it, wait it out, see where it goes. Like you said, let's see his first interaction with Roman. That might change the whole thing. But at the same time, you can see a character in crisis. He's wearing his old T-shirt. I was watching the whole episode and oh, I just don't like the T-shirt. You just, you're going backwards. I think that's by design. We're meant to see a guy figuring himself out. He's figuring in this hill turn in real time with us all. He got the new music. He tried to stand by himself, but he couldn't. But who knows where we'll be in a few months' time. All I'm saying, guys, is it's easy to pull on the storyline. I pulled on it as well. I said Vince Russo wrote this hill turn and going back in. I feel the same way when Big Show t- going back to NWO. I'm like, you left the group because anyway, I feel the same way. All I'm saying is just give it time. The, the destination is Jimmy versus Jay. But the issue is Jimmy's not developed enough to carry this kind of feud. So he needs the bloodline's heat in order to develop himself. So until that happens, this is where we are. My final point on this is that Roman Reigns has been champion for over three years, and I have run out of patience. (laughs) He is the last remnant of the COVID-19. I cannot (laughs) handle it. Any champion since COVID times. We haven't had a post-COVID champion. That is funny. I find that hilarious, almost hysterical, almost when I fall down and laugh and cry at the same time. Almost. Yes, almost. Almost. But also another thing as well, bloodlining members because you've got Judgment Day and Lashley and Street Profits. Like, you can't have a bloodline with just Solo and Roman. You need someone. That's what I'm saying. Like, as much as this doesn't make sense, if I asked you guys a question, what would you rather have? Jimmy Uso as a solo heel or Jimmy Uso part of the bloodline with the bloodline heat? I know which one I would choose. You guys would have called him a flop in the month's time. You'd have said, why did they break him up? Why are we doing this feud? Trust me. That's, that's the reason why I'm gang with the positive kind of outlook. I think we might be saying that anyway. But what are you saying right now? Let us know what you think what of Jimmy saying? Uso's weird journey in the comments down below. What do you think about his current position in the bloodline? Where do you think it's going to go besides a match with Jay? Because we all know that's the final destination. But what will the path be? Let us know in the comments. And while you're at it, make sure that you like this video if you haven't already and hit the subscribe button for the Talk podcast channel. Again, if you haven't already. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In the meantime, we are going to get into the rest of our SmackDown review because some other stuff happened. Not a lot, but some stuff happened. Stop. We had our opening match as Charlotte Flair and Shotzi beat Eo Sky and Bailey. Yep, Eo Sky is losing another match 
It happens, but it's fine. This was a pretty basic tag match. Shotzi sold. Charlotte got the hot tag. She hit a, uh, a crossbody onto both of damage control. She's running wild a little bit. And then Bailey cuts her off and appears like she was really telegraphing this finish because she gets up, up on the top rope and keeps looking over to the timekeeper's area. And she looks over and eventually Asuka pops her little head up. And she's behind Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai gets spooked, and Asuka grabs the title, and she starts doing her little dance, her little shimmy, and in the distraction, they manage to pull Bailey off the top rope, and Shotzi hits her cradle DDT for the win. Shotzi beats Bailey. I don't know if this feud, quote-unquote, is still going at this point. Uh, she's, got, she's still got her new look. It's a good new look. And, I mean, after the match, it was Asuka and Io standing in the ring together. So that is a match that I'm going to look forward to, albeit it is on SmackDown. So we get to see it, which is good, but I think that's a big pay-per-view match that probably should be on pay-per-view. Should be. But they just don't really put SmackDown matches on pay-per-view right now, it seems. Anywho... They opened with a match. I'll give them points for that. Most of the matches these days on SmackDown aren't anything spectacular. No. It's fine. But hopefully Asuka and Io being scheduled for two weeks' time will be the ends justifying the means. Or it could be a, a non-finished match. Certainly could. It's just a little taster because, like you say, they nowadays on SmackDown, you hardly get credible matches. You, you It's become much more tougher to actually review the show in terms of doing a break by break because you can tell there's a TV style match where nothing really happens that stands out. Uh, in terms of Shotzi, yeah, the new look is you know, is admirable that she got the, she cut her hair because her sister's got cancer, so she's supporting her. That's why she shaved her head in the first place. She's got a spiky-looking hairstyle, which is cool. The issue that you and I talked about was there was like a two-week stretch where we didn't hear from Shotzi. Mm -hmm. They went from Shotzi spooking and stalking Bailey to nothing happening. So it kind of confused the situation. Well, we're glad that it's continued, and I do think one of the issues we used to talk about Shotzi is the lack of credible victories. So this was meant to rectify that. So the way I see it now is now that Shotzi has beaten Bailey in a tag team match, that should entice people to want to see a one-on-one -on -one match between Shotzi and Bailey, which ultimately may see either Shotzi winning another upset, then they have another match and Bailey wins, or this one Bailey wins and then you just move on. Mm -hmm. so I do feel like they have kind of dropped the storyline, but they didn't realize, okay, let's just wrap it up neatly. And also, Charlotte needs tag partners, and we pretend that we don't have other women on the show. <laughs> That's the issue. With there are no, there are like five women on this show. Yeah, allegedly. Unfortunately, exactly. with Bianca not here, there's there's exactly. not a lot to work with. Had Bianca not, had Bianca been there, it would have been Bianca in that spot. So I do just think that it's circumstantial reasons why shot season that match. It's kind of like, oh yeah, they feuded, right? Let's yeah, let's pretend that we actually still remember and care. I could be wrong, but from the way they've been booking a few, you, you'd think they dropped it a long time ago. But uh, also, Asuka's back. Yay! She's what we feared would happen. Her heel run. This guy is a PFK guy, so if you told him, hey, write about Asuka's heel run, short video. Mm -hmm. Ends within two minutes of the intro, because now she's now a tweener. There's no difference between face paint Asuka and half face paint Asuka. She's still Asuka. Yeah. So I hope this match 
uh, I, I don't want it unfinished because I do want it to f- be safe for a pay-per-view. I hope it's just WWE being WWE, which is like, you never wrestled? Let's change that. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's, let's save it for a, a bigger match down the line. I, I, again, how are they booking EOs all right now? It's kind of weird because we're now, what, a month removed from her winning the title? So it's quite hard to judge how her title reign's going because she's only faced uh, Zelina so far. And Bailey's Bailey. I think Bailey's Teflon. She's one of those wrestlers in their mind, like, because she's a heel, she can lose, but she can always you can always heat her up to win again. She'll always be she's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. She's, she's one of the four horse women. So Bingo. she's got that name value. And Charlotte, as as usual, she's miscast as a baby face, but um I always appreciate what she does on the on the main stage. But as me and Tempest said it, she's not that great of a TV wrestler. It seems like she she actively phones it in, you see on, on TV. But you know, she wants to save it for the for the big shows. So well, there's no off-season, but no one told her that, it seems. Uh, we then had the backstage segment with Jimmy Uso talking to Paul Heyman and then attacking AJ Styles. And then the most overman in the world arrived. L.A. Knight. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up and he cuts a promo on The Miz. There was a very excellent line in this promo that I loved where he was talking about The Miz's performance on Monday, attacking the Invisible Man, John Cena and such. And he said, let's take a look at your, the, the line in your entrance theme. I came to play. Now, if I was an absolute moron, I would say, let's look at the adjective. But I'm not, so let's look at the verb, which is a shot at Kevin Nash. A very well put shot as well. Like, mm. if you didn't know what he was talking about, it didn't detract from the promo, which is kind of the problem with a lot of like shooty, shooty, booty, booty promos these days where the line will more often than not just kind of be like, okay, what does that have to do with the actual thing here? But he managed to slip it in here. It could have just been another line, you know, just another line. Another throwaway line. Yeah. Yeah. And takes a shot at Kevin Nash, who has been critical of LA Knight fairly recently and continues on says he's not here to play. He thanks John Cena for the endorsement, but says he doesn't need the endorsement. He endorses himself. He gets interrupted by Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, who come out, and they are a tag team. They sure are. And I don't even know what they were yammering on about here. Like, Austin Theory, every one of Austin Theory's promos is exactly the same at this point. Like, he's going to come out and say that he beat John Cena at WrestleMania in one of the worst WrestleMania openers that I can ever recall. So I don't particularly listen that much when Austin Theory talks anymore. But L.A. Knight then hops back on the mic and says, like, okay, this is how you do it. And he insults both of them and says he's going to beat Austin Theory while everyone's saying L.A. Knight, yeah. And it's, you know, good Good L.A. Knight stuff, as you would expect. They then have a match, Austin Theory and L.A. Knight. And again, it's it's all right. It's fine. Grayson Waller's on commentary. Uh, L.A. Knight gets suplexed on the floor, which looked like it sucked. But in this commotion, the referee's distracted. Grayson Waller hops up onto the apron, removes a turnbuckle pad from the corner, hops down, and Austin Theory, of course, sees this. He goes in, tries to take advantage, but LA Knight manages manages to reverse it, hit the BFT for the win, gets the pin. He leaves. Solid enough segment. 
And shortly afterwards, uh, we see him and Paul Heyman backstage. Paul Heyman is talking to Adam Pierce, and LA Knight storms in, says that he wants a match with The Miz. Adam Pierce says, sure, give it to you next week. LA Knight says, all right, that works, thank you. And Paul Heyman introduces himself, says, I'm a big fan of your work, which the last time we heard Paul Heyman talk about LA Knight, he called him a flash in the pan and everything, so mm-hmm. Paul Heyman's full of it. And he says that the next time... L.A. Knight sees him talking with Adam Pierce. He needs to knock first, and he leaves. And that's the end of the L.A. Knight portion of the show. Your overall thoughts? Uh, if it was any other month, uh, the distraction from Grayson Waller would lead to a roll-up victory for Austin Fiddler. Yeah. Yeah. I was really concerned. Yeah. Really concerned. It, it did look like it, right? Because me and you have been sat in this chair for months on end, hearing rumors that um, LA Knight's gonna get a push, he's gonna get a push, and we were just disappointed every week. But now we've heard, possibly, the, one of, we're hypothesizing one of the reasons why the, the push came so late is because they wanted him to sign a new contract, and mm-hmm. you can't push someone when they're near the expiration date and you don't wanna put all that work for it to be taken somewhere else. I don't know, NWA? <laughs> right? Well, because AEW didn't sign him the first time. But anyway, I digress. Um, like you say, it, it was a TV style match. It wasn't bad. I don't think LA Knight is a bad wrestler. I hate when people start saying that he's, oh, he can't wrestle. I don't know about you. How many of you can jump that high to do a superplex? How many of you can jump off a top rope and do some moves the way he does? Sometimes it, it kind of grates me. I'm like, he's better than a lot of wrestlers. I tend to keep with Jinder Mahal for, for many reasons. One could be for trolling reasons or one because I, I grew up in the 90s, but he's a better wrestler than Jinder Mahal. You know? Yes, LA Knight is <laughs> a better wrestler than Jinder Mahal. You are correct. He's better than most wrestlers. He's got a basic moveset, but there's nothing wrong with basic moveset. He's got good psychology. So I don't like the whole, he can't wrestle. What Your criteria of wrestling is what? He has to do like Matrix-like moves. But anyway. Yeah, he's crisp. He's fine. Yeah, he's a fine wrestler. That's the thing. Whenever, oh, he's phenomenal. In this day and age, in this generation, because of how many uh, phenomenal feats of human endurance and I don't know, strength or coordination, wrestling has surpassed what it used to be in the 80s and 90s. But I guarantee you, had Eddie Knight started wrestling in the 80s or 90s, he'd be considered one of the best. It's just that his style of wrestling is uh, probably considered archaic or old. But he can go in the ring. I just wanted to say that. Austin Fury's got a history of being great in the ring, but for some weird reason, they've had him regress. I don't know why. But yeah, to answer your, to answer your question, match was fine. Is to build more momentum for um, LA Knight because you can see where they're going. Uh, it wasn't a flub by Paul Heyman when he mentioned LA Knight's name when he called him a flash in the pan. It kind of almost kind of reminds me of when they were teasing Big E and Paul Heyman, but they didn't go anywhere because he cashed in on Lashley. But a part of me, this is why I'm hypothesizing. Uh, I'm using that word. That was never easy to say, but I'm saying I used it twice already. AJ Styles could potentially, if Roman Reigns wrestling a Survivor Series, I see it being AJ Styles being his opponent. But uh, Roman Reigns also needs an opponent for Royal Rumble. And I think, yeah, LA Knight could be potentially the one to challenge Roman Reigns at the Rumble. Obviously, he's not going to win, but it'd be a great test to see what he does in the main event setting. Does he, If he passes with flying colors, then probably by the summer or next year, LA Knight might get a racket struck to him for the top title. So I see LA Knight being Roman Reigns' opponent for a Royal Rumble. I could be wrong, but it does a thing where it will prevent LA Knight from being inside a Royal Rumble, getting eliminated, the show being hijacked, 
and ruin Cody's big moment if Cody or Gunter is the one meant to win the title or win Royal Rumble. But we also hypothesize something else about Gunter and mm-hmm. Seth Rollins. But that's for Raw. We're not Raw with SmackDown. I th- I think you're you know very much on the right path. At least what I would probably consider booking. I think all of that is entirely logical. I hope that this means that. I mean, it's it's safe to say that LA Knight has begun a push of some sort he's featured every week he's getting the biggest reactions he's winning his matches now which is a big improvement over the rest of the year clean as well they didn't clean even, they didn't even use the turnbuckle that's the thing no. they they the turnbuckle was ripped off but he also didn't hit it it just avoided it and he got hit with the bft that's clean that is mm-hmm. like clean as a bed sheet yeah so yeah again solid stuff but like that's kind of every match on smackdown now there there aren't many like blow away matches i wonder who left it's gunther i know who left anywho after this uh of course we had the aj styles uh jimmy or aj styles backstage promo segment and such uh then we had the judgment day come out to the ring and gloat about beating Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and saying they did what the judge what uh, the bloodline could not do and that was that and they're talking and then Dom gets on the mic and it's just nuclear heat the people hate this guy it's awesome and yeah he talks a little bit about Rhea Ripley being the women's world champion and such and solid enough stuff they said they're there to pit, to take over for the the bloodline and then they get interrupted by the brawling brutes. They just kind of talked. I don't know why this promo went as long as it did. Mm. It wasn't even that long, but it was just like they didn't have any. Yeah. They didn't have anything to say, and it was more than a sentence. So I don't know what what they were going for here. But they just kind of said that they couldn't have picked a worse uh, first challenge. They go down to the ring. It is then Balor and Priest against the brawling brutes, and they had a fine little match again. I keep saying that, but none of the matches on this show particularly stand out, unfortunately. They're all just kind of fine. They're all kind of the same. When Pete Dunne was in the ring, it was quite good. Shocker that. Love me some Pete Dunne. Would really wish that they would give him something to do. Hell, even when he was scrappy-doo, he was... Doing something. He was. And you can, you can tell the brawling brutes are, you know, when you, you're tired of playing with that toy, put it back in the chest and it's catching dust. That's mm-hmm. what I feel like brawling brutes is. Seamus wasn't even on this show. No. In a weird way, I don't know if the group is not a detriment to Seamus now. I don't know. Because when I see Seamus out with the group, I'm, I'm not like, ooh, these are three badasses compared yeah. to how they were treated last year. They kind of cooled off. Kind of like a couple of football hooligans, but mm-hmm. without, the, without the beer to make them entertaining. I feel like if you added more character traits, they should do what they do in NXT, which some, it might annoy some people. They should give Broding Brutes their own pub. So that sure. way you can have promo segments. You have Butch being up someone every week. That could be a recurring thing. You yeah, know, makes- but even if they had those promo segments, like what are they going to say right now? Because they're just like the tag team that gets slotted in to take an easy loss. Like last year, last year, I would totally be on board with this because honestly, the move to Raw for Gunther and everything with the Intercontinental title, not only has been a huge detriment to Sheamus, it's been a detriment to these guys because they kind of had that like natural rivalry with the rest of Imperium as Mm -hmm. well. 
And maybe I understand that that would get played out at a certain point. You can only do that match so many times. They ran that rivalry twice, you know, in the last 12 months or so. So I get that you can't just rely on that, but like, Christ, there's nothing else. I think a segment like that in a pub with that being their kind of natural state where they can just get into fights and be mean and everything, that would have worked really well if it was leading to something. Well, you know, funny you say that because it just popped into my head because we had an appearance of a tag team that's been missing for a while, which is pretty deadly. Indeed. You can argue had pretty deadly not gotten injured or if Elton Prince had not gotten injured, Broding Brutes will be fighting them every week mm-hmm. <laughs> for the next few months. It's just that Broding Brutes lost their natural rivalry because it was setting up to be like a six-man inf- uh, infinity battle between Sheamus and the rest of the Broding Brutes against Austin Fury and Pretty Deadly. It seemed like they were going to do that feud with the US title being there yeah. for months on end. And when Pretty Deadly got taken out commission, Austin Fury kind of floundered again. And that's why we didn't see him for a bit into the whole number one contendership. And, you know, here we are now with Rey Mysterio being champion. Yeah, Brolin Brutes need something. It's easy what they need, a, a heel turn. Because we know that Butch is better as a heel. He's a sadistic, you know, son of a, you know, what. And, you know, Butch... Back them, to not saying it. <laughs> son of a gun! Butch... Uh, I don't know. The Ridge the Fridge... He's the one they need to develop personality for. You know, he's a former rugby player. You know, they, they tried with him being like a mean-spirited guy, a nice and fun-loving guy. He is all surface-level character work. He's a guy that would um, benefit more from being a heel. He could, he's, he's improved a lot in the ring. It's just they need to give him a character. What Right now, you see a team that's not over as they used to be. And you can tell the fans don't really care for them because... The writers haven't given us a reason to care about them post Imperium feud. And like you're saying, they're floundering away. And what do you do? Because their uh, vortex of nothingness is also kind of uh, inf- in- infecting Seamus sometimes when he's around them. Because Seamus by himself with his feud gets it done. Great promo guy, been around for a long time, veteran, finally got the respect that he deserves. So he's there with the brawling brutes, unfortunately. Pete Dunne, Butch. Fantastic wrestler, bruiser weight. People just want the bruiser weight back. Ridge, he's one of those pet projects you just mold into, you figure out, you know, what gimmick will get him over. Yeah. yeah. It is what it is. This match ended with the Judgment Day beating the Brawling Brutes, of course. Uh, Damien Priest hit a pair of South of Heavens. Uh, he did it one on from Pete Dunn onto Ridge, and then Finn Balor hit the coup de grace for the win. Good stuff. After the match, Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits came down to the ring, and it was those two trios kind of standing opposite each other, and Bobby Lashley just says into the mic, just says, the bloodline is crumbling, but you're not the new top faction. We are. And so I think that there is a strong possibility we could have been building for a real, like, trios warfare thing, Maybe that's what they wanted to do in war games if they were going to do it at Survivor Series or something like that. That's just speculation. No, it's true. But, like, the Judgment Day is a trio, trio of men's wrestlers anyway. You've got Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. There's now three men's, uh, three guys in the bloodline that they could work with. There would have been Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly to play with. The Pretty Deadly didn't get hurt. Mm -hmm. So it seems as if there would have been an abundance of trios on SmackDown. 
Now, would that have just been a coincidence? I don't know, but there is clearly a power struggle, power dynamic thing going on, which we then saw in the main event with Judgment Day trying to appease the bloodline in some way. I did not like that at all, because it's the, the two times we've seen any interaction between the bloodline and Judgment Day. Judgment Day has cowered to the bloodline. And the issue that I have is... Um, part of the reason why this year's title reign for Roman Reigns has been lackluster of all of, in all the three years he's been champion, I would argue this year has been his weakest. That's strong, considering one of those years was against only Brock Lesnar. Oh, there's a reason why I'm saying that. At least when he was facing only Brock Lesnar, he was around a lot. Yeah. And what I liked was he's treated as a champion. Right now, I don't, I can't say, I'm not dissing, but I can't call him a champion right now. He's a belt holder. He's yeah. a belt collector. Because why isn't Senor money in the bank kissing the ass of, of the guy with the longest title reign where he should be cashing it in on him? That's what I'm annoyed at. See, it's like, I do get annoyed with something. No one's challenging Roman Reigns. No one has a cojones to go, I want to be undisputed but disputed world champion. <laughs> No one's doing it. So for me, the fact that no one's changed from that title, that for me means that title's defunct. It's just a guy holding belts that no longer matter. What makes a belt matter is defending the title. Ask Gunter. He'd tell you how to add some prestige to a title. Ask Roman Orange Reign. Cassidy. Ask Orange Cassidy what it is. He's, he's not even defending the title to the point where no one's scared to, everyone's scared to challenge him. Everyone's a SmackDown's in bloody limbo, inferno. They don't even know what to do. They're, they're walking into work. It's like, why are you even here? Do any of you want to be champion? You're talking about all these accolades. All it is accolades. Holding these two accolades. They're not title because he doesn't defend them. That's why the World Heavyweight title on Raw means so much. That's why you're getting more traction on Raw because the things are happening on Raw. Everything's in stasis on SmackDown because there's nothing going on. When your top dog's not around, it kind of trickles around to the middle and to the bottom. If there's crap at the top, crap will seep down to the middle and go to the bottom. That's what's happening on SmackDown. Nothing's happening on SmackDown because it's on Groundhog Day because they refuse to move the story forward yeah it was over yeah they're making a lot of money yeah we love the storyline but WWE did the thing they always do they can't help themselves let's just run it to the ground let's make you hate it not let's end it on a, on a high and we hear all the accolades that we love we love accolades but except when it when it when it suits us you know so yeah Roman Reigns is a title holder Damien Priest should be challenging him for the title because it means more to beat Roman, sorry, than beating Seth. Seth's got a new belt. You know, we've seen a few years where that belt goes. <laughs> Roman's got two titles that, you know, he's got historical reign on. If you beat Roman Reigns, you're a made man. Why is no one challenging him? That's my issue. Challenge him. Challenge him. I couldn't have said it better myself. And that largely brings this episode of SmackDown to a close because all we had left was AJ Styles finding the OC and smacking the phone out of Carl Anderson's hand, the main event match, and one other segment where Asuka is backstage and says that EO is not ready for Asuka and she will be champion again. So that was SmackDown. I'll be honest, I did not think it a good show. I thought it was yet another fairly bland episode of SmackDown, unfortunately. They all seem to kind of be the same these days, and I'm not a real big fan. 
I remember this show being awesome a year ago. All the Sami Zayn stuff was incredible. We loved it. We loved this show. We mm-hmm. loved all the things. Gunther was on SmackDown every week, and he was defending the title against Ricochet and Rey Mysterio, and it was awesome. My God, what I would give for a Gunther versus Madcap Moss match right now. <laughs> wow. You guys heard it here. Please clip it and send it to him so he doesn't forget it. My but God. My like, issue, my other know. issue is as well, you're saying, like, the, the issue I had, the only issue I had with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as tag champions is all of a sudden the title seem to be exclusive to Raw after they vanquished the Usos for the final time. Yeah. And now you've got Judgment Day doing the thing that Sami and Kevin should have done, which is, I guess, appear on every show because they've got two titles. They need to split the tag title because that's another issue as well. What are the other tag teams fighting for? Yep. I was thinking this, but... It's a whole other can of worms to open. I really do think that there's nothing going on on SmackDown. For we need more women segment as well. I'm yeah, there's also things. that. It doesn't help, but there's five women on SmackDown. You only get your one. Anywho, before we get out of here... Mm. We have some very special shout outs to give. Those are those being our $25 and above tw- uh, t- blah, pledge hammers Woo-hoo! over at patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk. You can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. In addition to receiving some awesome bonus exclusive content by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk. So a big thank you to send me to heaven, Evan Reich. Yeah. No limp biscuits here, Fred Worst. Yeah. Always shining, Garrett Albright. Yeah. Stand back. It's a hurricane, Gregory Helms. Yeah. That's just his name. I know. That's my thoughts. <laughs> I know. I was like, Gregory Helmsley. No. Nope. Helmson. I was like, Gregory Helms? The, the hurricane, Gregory Helms. So yeah. big fan of the channel. Thank the, you, Hurricane. Jordy yeah. Bus Driver, Harry. Yeah. The Aztec Warrior, Hector Rodriguez. Yeah. Murderous James Murtaugh. Yeah. Wrestle Talk's personal problem solver, Jamie Donovan. Yeah. Spoke in class today, Jeremy Smith. Yeah. Joel the Welsh King. That says Viking. I was so close. Joel the Welsh Viking. Yeah. John Jenkerson, son of Jenker. Yeah. Jordan. Mother effing Hawksworth. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our pledge hammers, but especially our $25 and above pledge hammers, where you can get your own custom wrestling nickname, just like those read out on a show, just like this. So that will bring our SmackDown review to a close. We will be back on Monday with our review of AEW Collision. Until then, I've been Tempest. That's been Sat. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See you next Sat-E-Day and the same Sat-E-Time. That's for the Sat-E-Day lovers. On the same Sat-E YouTube channel. Thank you very much, Sat. We will see you next week. We have time. Hopefully it'll be cooler. Jam that jam. Look at the guns. Look at the guns.